Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Traps Lodge, episode number 11. Hey, guys and gals, welcome back to Traps Lodge. So every 10 episodes or so, we are are thinking about doing a behind-the-scenes look of what's going on in our world. Sure. (laughs) So um, basically, we're going to check in with Trapper, see what's going on with him, um, give you a little update of what's going on on my side of the world, being married to Trapper, which is always interesting, and kind of just touch touch base with y'all and see what's going on. So... Just interesting. That's it. Just interesting. I was being polite. (laughs) (laughs) So, Trapper. Yep. All right. You got back from Alaska. Then you got back from Wyoming. And now you're gearing up for opening season in Texas. What is going on? I know you've been getting lots of phone calls. So, fill us in on where you're at. I mean, we're busy year-round. But this is obviously our busiest time of year because of the fall and winter and getting into whitetail season and we've been busy in October but November, December and January are always our you know craziest months so we're literally just whatever a week or 10 days away from you know opening day and um per rifle and we we have MLD permits on some of our ranches. We outfit hunts on four different ranches spanning over well over 10,000 acres and they're all you know 80 miles apart so there's a lot of logistics goes into that and moving parts and behind the scenes just you know 50 plus deer feeders that you got to keep going and maintaining and squirrels and pigs like to play hell on those and a lot of people and crew members and and filling up the calendar I mean we're basically busy every day with a down day here here or there so scheduling clients and scheduling which guides can help and we've got some full-time guides and some part-time guides and it's just a it's just a hectic time of year and to keep it all going and um like a well-oiled machine it takes a a lot of time and a lot of prep and a lot of people and i'm not sure that um hunters actually understand what what all that entails and going into it just from your feed programs changing and your food plots getting planted and put in and everything just to be perfect because a lot of people only come for two and a half, three days, you know, a long weekend or whatever. You want to make sure they have all the personal attention they need and the, and the trophy quality that they desire and the the food that they, they want. And so working with the cooks and the guides and all that, like today was just a hectic day. We got a lot done. I start out my day with my dogs getting sprayed by a skunk and that just that'll ruin anybody's day i know i got a text message that said all four dogs just got sprayed and so immediately i'm googling how to get the skunk smell off of dogs and me (laughs) we're still not sure if you smell like a skunk or if we're just so used to smelling it that it's just in our nostrils at this point uh yeah it's so and it was windy and we had an order blow in. We got some rain, which is good for the oat crops coming up. And I thought our house was going to blow away last it night. It was super windy, yeah. We were like, like in a wind tunnel. Felt like Wyoming wind for sure. But I really appreciate everybody that, that listens and has been listening. I really I can't thank my clients enough um, for sticking with me through thick and thin through all the, all the years. I've got some clients that have been coming over 20 years now 
um, every year, and it's it's amazing that we've we've all just become really good friends now. We're not even clients, and the phone calls and text messages and emails, and now with social media, you add two more avenues of of answering messages on that. So you're just busy all day long from from the minute you wake up and and then trying to coordinate everything and and not forget anybody you know and not leave anybody out yeah so speaking of people that have been with you for a while and stuff like I think it's really cool that your buddies in Wyoming that you've hunted with for 20 years right on their ranch where you Mm -hmm. outfit out of almost um, 17 or 17 whatever two before that so yeah we're at 19 years round up (laughs) yeah um I think it's so cool that they listen and you know the other day we were in Albert at Albert's Ice House having a drink and Amy was saying that she listens and she sent it to her dad and you know um Russell Johnson Russell Sims like it's just really cool that all of y'all are supporting us and listening and if you don't learn anything at least hopefully we're entertaining and hopefully you can at least laugh at me you know well, I mean, if they listen to the cabin banter one in Wyoming, I'm sure everybody got a good laugh. <laughs> thought we weren't bringing that up anymore. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so you're definitely busy. You're definitely booking hunts. Um, getting your ranches ready. Um, talk a little bit, because I'm curious. You know, you've got three different ranches that you're hunting off of right now? Well, you've got Redstone. You've got High Point, which we hunt a, a little bit. Um, with Kyle Kuntz and his family. Our main ranch is Reservation Ranch in Harper, which is owned by the Kernwogie family. And we hunt uh, the Ivy Ranch out in Mountain Home, which is about 6,000 total acres there. Yeah, and I feel like each ranch has something very unique and different to offer to a hunter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so kind of give us the rundown on, on what that what each ranch looks like, what's appealing based on what type of hunting you so want to do. So we cater to all types of clientele from, you know, your your blue-collar guys that that hunt the low fence year after year and and those are some some really low end hunts and we just put together a package you know a buck and couple of doe package for those guys and and they they they're one of the only ones that that know every year where they're going uh opening weekend um the last couple years i've pushed them to the second weekend and i've left the first weekend open and i told them nobody will hunt before them and and that way they can come in on a thursday and, and hunt uh, Thursday afternoon, Friday, Saturday, and through Sunday, and and there's always about six or eight of them, and they they like the meat, and they take you know they'll take some extra does and stuff. They always seem to have a good time. They have a great time. They're they're a really good group of guys. It's Jimmy Butler, and I I don't know Bill's. I can't remember Bill's last name. I call him Wild Bill, but it's a great family and great group of friends, and and they they appreciate me and. I think they just got tired of dealing with the leases and and keeping up with the feeders and they're they're not young men anymore and they they like to be able to show up and know that the corn's in the feeders and it's going to go off when it's supposed to and the blinds are clean and me and the boys uh clean all their deer and and quarter them up put them in their ice chest for them to take home and and it's it's a good it's a good time and it, that, that's one one camp there in Stonewall and and we kind of run it out of our headquarters there at, at Redstone and and then, and then talk about Kyle Kuntz's ranch, uh, Kyle, High Point. High Point's a, a family ranch, and they run they run a cattle operation there. Cattle? Yeah, they run a cattle. I did 
not know that they ran cattle? Well, his dad loves yeah. the cattle, but Kyle's done a great job. He runs a big deer breeding operation there, whitetail deer breeding operation. Uh, I feel like he's always got 20 irons in the fire, and he's always running crazy, but they they they're about 3,000 acres under high fence, and over the years, we've added a lot of herds of uh, breeding herds of exotics onto the big pastures, and um, so super nice lodge and facilities, and great people to work with, and and great place to take people hunting. It's a lot of big live oak country, um, kind of kind of caliche type hills with black soil on top of it, and it's it's kind of rolling um, some thicker thicker parts of that ranch, and then. Are they, not to interrupt you, but is Kyle and Aggie, are they Aggie family or no? I don't know. I don't know why I, that's for, a highlight right now. Because uh, I'm an Aggie. Oh, well, my and dad, I'm wondering. My dad's an Aggie. I know. and an your Aggie. Sister, Yes, you have lots of Aggies for in your family. For out-of-staters, an Aggie is somebody that goes to Texas A&M, <laughs> which is apparently a big deal. It is a big deal. I still can't believe your sister was in the Corps. That's so cool. They didn't let me in. One, well, I, one I couldn't spell good enough. <laughs> I would believe that. You're a phonetic, phonetic speller? Is that what? Phonetic, yeah. You spell phonetically. And then the reservation ranch there in Harper, that's, that's been in their family for, shoot, I want to say Tim's at least third or fourth generation. And that was an old, you know, family kind of cattle and, and goat farm. And they've transitioned into into high fencing it and, and raising exotics. And they've done a great job with, uh, anyway, I've, I've helped tim through the years even though he's he, i'm a pain in his neck and he's a pain in my neck we we've been longtime friends he's hunted with me in africa and wyoming and we've been on a lot of hunts together and he's he's a great guy to work with and he's done a great job building up a very ranch style facility a very homey feeling facility there i want to say just kind of old hill country type yeah, and I, I met him for the first time at, I think, the EWA uh, big, um, what was it, the the big fundraiser they had at Tapatio Springs, and I remember he was just, like, so excited mm-hmm. to, like, watch and see and be a part of the industry, and it was so refreshing to see somebody just that, like, interested to learn. I mean, he went to, like, the seminars and stuff. How many people are members of the EWA that... I've just been forever, and, like, they don't go to the seminars. They don't do whatever. Like, it was cool to see somebody yeah, not he, new. He's not new to the game, obviously, because you've been He's always with him, wanting but... to learn. He's always wanting to absorb, you know, more information. And, of course, he won't listen to me, so I'm glad he went to the seminars. So. <laughs> um, but, no, it's a really cool cool headquarters, and it gives you a really uh, a genuine feel of, like, old German-style um, headquarters where they, cool. where they used to sheep and goat ranch and that ranch actually sits on what used to be the headwaters of the Perdinalis river and there's a ton of artifacts out there and a ton of uh fossilized uh mammoth bones and, and mammoth ivory and uh, you just always finding different things from millions of years or tens of thousands of years ago and and he does a good job keeping it up, and it's it's a very good feel. And then further west from there in Mountain Home, we go to the Ivy Ranch, and that's a a, a genuine cattle working ranch. And he he relies a lot on the on the hunting for for added income because the cattle market's just so up and down. And right now it's it's not very good for the rancher. And 
And Mark's, uh, he got into the exotic industry, I want to say probably 25, 30 years ago. And he, he runs a great operation. It's it's more of a a not fancy... Bunkhouse. Yeah, it's there's no bells and whistles. It's just a bunkhouse, great lodge. That's what I remember seeing yeah. when you showed me pool pictures. table and bar, and and it kind of makes you. And Tim's is kind of the same way. You feel like you're at Granddad's hunting camp. There's no swimming pools and fountains and lavish stuff like that. It's really just about the hunting and the camp and campfire, and it's a really good feel. And it's a beautiful ranch. She's done a great job keeping the cedar cleared off of it it's big rolling hills with big live oaks and some chinook country and you know texas is so diverse and the hill country is actually uh is a a, just a kind of a spot in its own with the diversity and you know you get in Alano county and and up around mason you get into granite rocks and you get a different fauna and flora up there with the brush and stuff it almost feels like south texas and then the, the fredericksburg area is just you know, big oaks and caliche soils and river bottoms and get to South Texas and it's just totally different. And West Texas is totally different and North Texas is totally different. And it's just so, Texas is so diverse just in its terrain and vegetation because it's so big. That's awesome. Well, it definitely sounds like you have um, plenty of places for different types of hunters, right? Depending on kind of what they're wanting to mm-hmm. experience. So... That's awesome. Um, and you you guys maintain all of these ranches, right? Well, we, except for like Kyle Coons, they, they have he, theirs, He's right? pretty well self-sufficient. Yeah. And Mark, Mark is too. But I mean, we, we maintain a lot of it and take on a lot of the filling the feeders and stuff. And you, know, you talk about being on the phone and, and booking hunters. You'll have a group of like seven guys and they have a head guy that's either talking to me or Destry or Dylan. And of course, out of seven guys, you're going to have a lot of questions. So you're you're trying to put everything together and figure out what everybody's expectations are and and it just a lot of groundwork goes into it to make everything just kind of go off without a hitch yeah well like you said the more people involved definitely the more questions and you know yeah there's there's just arrangements you have to make that sort mm -hmm. of thing yeah who's sleeping Um, where and who's sleeping with what you know, who, who wants a private room? Who you wants, say who's sleeping with who? Who's sleeping with who? <laughs> well, I mean, who's bunking up with who? And, and um, So I just have to let y'all know because we are, this is behind the scenes. Uh, Winnie, some of you may know her as Winchester from our Instagram and Facebook, is literally standing at our back door with a, is that a fallow? That's a fallow antler. She's fallow been antler. for days. She's got it whittled down to a nub now. Yeah, but, but it's it still bigger, bigger than she is. <laughs> it was a big one, but... It's massive, I'll, and she's trying to hold it up, and she's just standing at the door wanting I in. Just thought, so this morning, I had a conversation with Mr. Ivy, and it's it seems like there's always something going wrong. There's always, you know, vehicles that need to be maintenance or something that breaks in the middle of your hunt or whatever. Well, he's always got a story, and he's got one of my pups from... Lucky and and Scruffy, one of my Yeg Terrier pups. Our f- let me rephrase this. One of our favorite. She was like in the top five. I mean, there was only seven, but still. <laughs> she's a cute puppy, but she's that dog's been driving him crazy. She was so cute. So she was the last born, probably the runt. I would call her. She wasn't that much smaller though, but she was the last born, and she didn't have a tail. And I specifically know this because when your dad came over to 
clip the dew claws and dock the tails, I happen to be the only one here. <laughs> and I became little uh, veterinary assistant Emily. And I will never forget, like, watching him do that. I mean, it was really cool. And it was, yeah, like, I never would have experienced it otherwise. So it was really neat to see. But um, it was definitely eye-opening. And when he clipped the dew claws, like, I would have thought the tail would have bled a little more than the dew claws. The dew claws definitely bled more. Mm-hmm. And there was all these little puppies just like, Anyways, I was so thankful when we got to this dog because she didn't have a tail, so we didn't have to dock her. She was born without one, basically, right? Well, we called her no-tail. Well, Mark named her Damn It. I know. Well, my nephew... (laughs) So, remember, Brantley, my nephew came over, and he was, like, loved them and was just taking care of them, and, like, it was cute to see him and stuff. And uh, he, of course, was like, I'm going to name him this and that and whatever. And he was like, I'm going to name this one No-Tail. So, literally, we called her No-Tail for, like, the whole time we had her, pretty mm-hmm. much, right? Yeah. I remember Mark's wife asking me if she had a name, and I said, well, no, my four-year-old nephew named her No-Tail, but <laughs> that's what we called her. It's not really a name. Um, but I do think it's really funny that she was renamed anyway, Damn it. I, I thought Mark was calling to gripe about his puppy chewing up his shoes or something this morning, but he had a... Some smugglers out on Highway 41 run through like five fences and crashed their car in behind his horse barn and, and cut loose. And there's just always a story. So he's got like... Oh, I didn't know they had a car. Yeah. I thought they were just on foot. How do you think they crashed through five fences? I was trying to figure that out in my head, but... <laughs> they literally crashed through five fences and like were running on the rims of this piece of crap car that was stolen from New Braunfels and smuggling whatever. And there was like six or eight sheriff's deputies running around. They didn't catch a single one of them. How? I don't know. So Mark's pulling up while all this is going on to the headquarters. And meanwhile, he's trying to prop up and patch all these fences to keep all this. One, Animal, yeah. one was a horse pasture where he keeps his roping horses and then we had a we have a breed, set of breeder pens out there, and they drove through the breeder pens. <laughs> oh, it's just chaotic. And poor Mark's always just if it's not a flood or a drought or a dog, a dog, it's <laughs> wetbacks running through the fences trying to smuggle drugs and stuff. Oh, that's crazy. So the cops were chasing them on the property, or did they come later? No, they were chasing them on the highway. And they just decided to dive off the highway and run through this high fence. And then... The wet bikes did, yeah. And then just kept driving through fences until they finally just run, mm. run their car into the ground. And then bailed out and ran. And they and I guess the, Mark let some sheriff's deputies and stuff in the front gate. And they didn't find them. They were chasing them around. And Mark said he took all the keys out of the vehicles and... And guns out of the trucks, so that that wouldn't cause a problem. But it's it was it's like the wild west out here now. Yeah. So um, let's go, Brandon. Oh, <laughs> I had to stop and like realize what you were talking about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what's crazy is like I mean we grew up. My sister and I grew up in Pipe Creek, and I never would consider us close to the border. I mean we're not close to the border or anything like that, but. I remember recently. I think like that's from the well the, digger. What? Your dad said it was from the well guy. Oh, not that story. Oh. No, it was a different story. Um, I remember that um, 
recently though, we did have like this weird, like instance of everyone there. So we're not, there's no neighborhoods where we're at. Like it's all big ranches and stuff, but of people on drugs, like Mm. coming and knocking on doors of these big ranches, like strung out on drugs. And you know, the guy opens the door with a shotgun and is just like, what are you doing here? But it's just, it just amazes me. Like what's going on in the world these days. Crazy world. So I grew up. Well, we, Go ahead. I was going to say, and me, like, when you're gone hunting, I mean, I know that we're in the middle of nowhere. Not necessarily the middle of nowhere, but, like... Well, it's not convenient to anything. Yeah, like, I remember <laughs> laying in bed one night, and you're like, Emily, if somebody is going to come rob us, they're going to have to scout out the place beforehand. They're going to have to drive up our driveway. They're going to have to realize they're in the middle of nowhere. Like, there's no point in anyone coming here. It'd be much easier to go to a neighborhood and... Oh, yeah, there's no point in coming here because I don't want to dig a hole in the rocks either. Yeah, well. <laughs> I guess we need to feed them to the dogs. Oh, gosh. So I grew up with what we call wetbacks, Hispanics coming across and, and working my dad's ranch until my brother and I were old enough to build a fence on our own, basically. And I remember those guys would come every year in the spring and they would work all summer and get get their money gathered up and they would go back to Mexico and and stay there during the winter or you know for two or three months and then turn around and come back and it was kind of a different time I think a lot of the work that got done in Texas a lot most of, I want to say most of the fences that got built and most of the cedar that got cleared was all done with you know uh, well, we call them illegals now but back then we called them wetbacks um, Mexicans and my dad spoke fluent Spanish and after my mother passed we had a, a young Hispanic boy that was kind of the housekeeper and the cook and his name was Arturo and man he was he was awesome to us kids and and my brother and I would get up and go to work with them every every morning that we weren't going to school which I didn't I don't think I went to much school <laughs> but um Anyway, it's just different, and now it seems like the cartels and and human traffickers and stuff. It's they're coming into this country with and they're packing drugs and and stealing and breaking things. Back then, they didn't. They would come by and get a jug of water and keep on walking or something. And I like working out in West Texas and down in South Texas. It's it's different now. They're not here to 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 work and then go back home. They're they're here to. I don't know what they're here for, but it's it's just a different feel. Yeah, I know I have a lot of friends that have big ranches in South Texas, and that was always kind of the thing, you know? I mean, they would leave water out. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like, so, like, here you go. Take your water and pass on through. Yeah. And And they appreciated that, and they would leave the land alone. They would just go, and, I mean, I heard it. One time I had a friend that was out in a blind, like a pop-up blind, um, hunting and literally a couple illegals, wetbacks, whatever you want to call them, walked by and he like got his knife out and was like ready, but they just, they were just passing through. I feel like that landscape has changed a lot now. Yeah. So we, I've, I've met ranchers out in West Texas that have like been on horseback and came up over the hill and, and seen like military dressed guys, you know, with two or three donkeys loaded down with drugs and they see them and 
those guys see him and he said, I just turned my horse around and go back to the house. I'm like, you don't call him in or whatever. He said, man, if I did that, I'd probably be dead the next day because they knew it They knew it would be me that tattled on them and they'd probably come kill yeah. me and my wife. So it's so crazy. It's a dangerous world, man. It's, it's just nuts. I mean, now they're cutting fences. Uh, my buddy down in Brackettville the other day said they can't get any fence material down there. They're, everybody's repairing all these fences from people just driving through them like crazy, like what happened at Mark's. And it's just, it's, there's no law and order and there's I no, I mean, you're, they're not coming up here to do, to do labor and go back. And I have no problem with the guys that want to come work and they're great. You know, they're great workers and I've grown up with them. And I, I mean, they were, I'm my surprised friends. you don't speak Spanish. Yeah. My dad never taught me and I never learned and. I'm not real smart. So. I took four years in high school and two two semesters in college. You would think I could speak Spanish, I don't but think, I can't. <laughs> I don't think you learn it in school. I think you have to grow up with it or just talk talk it every day. To I don't know if I agree with that. I think you I think you can learn the basics in school, and then once you practice it, you get like the you, you get the repetition of it, like because you learn like the vocabulary in school and how to like. Conjugate your verbs and all that. I feel like Spanish is a lot different than Tex-Mex. Well, I was going to say, when I was in high school, we had this amazing woman. Her name was Mrs. Woodland, and she had blonde, curly, like, like permed hair that was really short and blue eyes. And she spoke Spanish like none other. Like, it was insane. And she did this trip every year with the seniors and would take them to Spain because she spoke true Spanish, like she mm-hmm. taught us proper Spanish. Yeah, my dad speaks fluent Spanish. My brother's fairly good at it, but I remember my brother came home one day, or my brother and I came home one day, and my brother jumped, was jumping up and down. We were little kids. He said, Dad, Dad, I learned how to say big dog in Spanish. And my dad said, oh, yeah, what's that? He said, mucho pucho. <laughs> I don't think that's correct. I was just going to say, I feel like I've heard this story, and I wasn't sure it was appropriate for the podcast just now. Uh, but oh, Lord. <laughs> if, Hunter, if Hunter doesn't speak fluent Spanish, he wants to think he does anyway. Anyways, I feel like we're getting depressing with all this like political talk and border talk and whatever. But I think you know we're, we'll get through it. We'll keep our heads up and, and keep keep going and i fear that they they want to take our guns away and take our hunting white hunting rights away and and um i'll go to my grave fighting for it i think that um and this is my opinion and i'll be very honest i was a government economics teacher in high school and history teacher and i never ever felt like i could teach government because i wasn't that passionate about it you know i didn't follow like the elections and just everything and And even talking to, like, my mom recently, you know, she was like, you know, 10 years ago or 12 years ago, like, I kind of would vote because I just kind of knew, like, whatever party I wanted to win would win. And she even made the comment, you know, now she feels like her vote's more important than ever and this and that. But I do feel like a... Wait! Whoa, you can't yell. We're still recording. Well, the dog's barking. Well, I know, but oh, anyways, um, I feel like now that it's not in a conservative's nature to impose our opinions and what we think on other people. So I feel like liberals are way more apt to like get on social media and say, no. "This is what I think, and this is what I want to do," and I feel like conservatives. 
we don't want to post that kind of stuff. It's not our nature to just be that vocal about it. But I feel like a lot of us are getting that way now because we're getting fed up with what's happening. And a lot more people are speaking out that maybe wouldn't have spoken out. Well, they call us the silent majority for a reason. reason we're silent, but you're right. The, the far left has had a louder voice and they've come forward and protested. And that's why things have changed the way they are. And now that our backs are against the wall, I think people are speaking up and speaking out. And I just hope all these Californians moving to Texas don't California or Texas. Well, I think a lot of them are moving to Texas because they don't align with the California views. Right, but now they're going to come here and change change our ways and up our taxes. And I, I just hope that doesn't happen. Hey, there's a couple I follow from California that moved here recently. They moved to Austin, but I love them. And um, the guy... So she's like a big skincare guru, beauty, whatever. And I just recently discovered her. And the guy is like a serial entrepreneur. He started multiple businesses, whatever. Um, but he was wearing a shirt the other day while he was working out that said, uh, think while it's still legal. And I actually ordered that shirt. I showed it to you tonight. Mm-hmm. It came in. So like those types of people, like I'm excited, you know. So like Jimmy Carter spawned Ronald Reagan and Ronald Reagan was the best president of our time my granddad was so happy when he got in office and things were changing for the positive so i feel like joe biden will spawn another man like ronald reagan and that the country will come actually come together as a country like i don't care what you believe i think first of all everyone should just be american Let's, yeah. let's be American first. What's best for America? Well, obviously, an open border is not best for America. High prices and high taxes isn't what's best for America. And relying on other countries. And relying on other countries. There's no product we couldn't yeah. make in, in America. And the other thing I see is our youth is just becoming more and more lazy and more and more dependent on just government instead of getting out there and getting to work, getting your hands dirty. And I don't care what kind of job you have, but just get a damn job. My granddad said, if you don't work, you don't eat. He would say, no worky, no eaty. And he meant it. And he would make your ass get up off, off the couch and go to work. We didn't have video games. We didn't have TV. If If it was daylight outside of... We were working, hunting, or fishing. That was. I do feel like the landscape. Yeah, I do feel like the landscape of work is changing, um, with everything that's happened. There's, I feel like there's a lot more uh, people that are trying to become entrepreneurial in what they're doing, just because, you know, whether they quit their jobs, they got laid off by their job. Whatever it may be, I feel like a lot more people are trying to... Oh, here comes Winnie with her fallow bone. Well, she kept barking. Fallow right. antler. So you got to be inside so oh. she'll quit barking at whatever the hell she's barking at. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I get a lot of young people that come to me with, and they'll have a resume and they may be 22 years old and they... They've had six jobs. Well, why would I invest my time and knowledge into somebody that's going to leave me in three or four or five months? It's just, it's not worth it. 
I want Yeah, somebody. but at 22, you don't think that they're still trying to figure out what they like to do. I mean, 22, you're not even out of college for okay, a year. 22, 26, it doesn't matter. They just, I don't want to see a person that's got 10 jobs on a resume. Like, I knew exactly what I was going to do from the day I was born. Well, I don't know. I, I I did a bunch of things before I settled into what I'm doing. So does that mean you wouldn't hire me? Not if your resume had all those things on it. Mm, How well, would I know you're going to Well, you would have missed a gym. Because let gym. me tell you. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Let's quit talking political and all this depressing stuff. Um, what else is going on behind the scenes with Traps Lodge? One thing that I can tell you I'm very excited about is our kids division. That'll be fun. It will be fun. And it's probably going to launch, what, like early next year? I don't know. That's up to you. I know. You're the boss. Oh, did y'all hear that? I, I just want that written down, recorded, documented. I'm the boss. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so we are going to try to do some stuff. And we don't want to tell you what just yet because it's going to be a surprise. Um, but we're going to incorporate some kids corner type stuff to traps lodge we're gonna try to get the website up and going by the end of the year which will be exciting trapper even mentioned putting up like some recipes and stuff to do with venison and trapper makes something called the what is it the trap slop chop what is it yeah trapper slop trapper slop which i tasted and it was delicious but it tasted like a whole lot of calories well yeah because when you burn all your energy all day out working it's real simple. Yeah. You just some ramen noodles and some ground meat and some picante sauce and some cheese. And you it doesn't look very good, but it'll stick to your ribs. Yeah. And when you work in an office all day like me and you come and eat it, you just feel fat pretty much. Well, well, if, you come in, if you come in hungry, I'll feed you. Um, or we so- could cook some sausage in the jet boil. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So that has become the running joke between us and like our family and just close listeners that listen to the cabin banter, which if you haven't heard that, it was episode nine, I think, maybe two episodes ago, um, where we did a two night special of Trapper in the cabin in Wyoming. And I swear we are not sponsored by Jetboil, but you would think we were. I wish we were. It'd be cheaper that way. I think you said that last podcast. Mm. I think we actually said that exact same phrase. But anyways, um, yeah, so we've got the Traps Lodge website that's going to be coming up, the Kids Corner. Um, we What else do we have going that we're trying to – oh, we're going to go to two – we're going to try to go to two podcasts a week, right? Mm-hmm. So our goal is to go to a podcast every Thursday that's kind of educational or a behind the scenes or just something that um, is a little more structured. And then every Tuesday, we're going to have Trapper the mic and his buddies, like guides or hunters or whatever, and let y'all do like a little banter thing, right? Sounds, whatever you got planned, I'll do it. Oh, we've, we've talked about this. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you're the boss. I'll do whatever you want. Uh, and we got to get some merchandise out. So that's coming yeah, up. Yeah, we're going to get some merchandise. Um, and we got to get into like the storytelling. I think we've been talking about the life story. 
my life story, my background, how I got to where I am and everything I've lived through and been through. And I think we're going to do that in the next couple episodes. Yeah, we're going to give y'all kind of like a decade decade by decade, right? So Mm -hmm. like zero to ten because we need time to do it. It's going to take, yeah, it's going to take some time. And I've got to not be so tired and wrap my head around it and remember everything. Yeah, but it'll be good. So we've got lots of neat stuff coming for y'all. We really appreciate all the listeners that we have and you know every time trapper sees one of you or i see one of you mainly trapper i don't really go anywhere but (laughs) mainly when trapper sees y'all and y'all say like oh i listen or i i gave it to this person to listen to like it's awesome um i know my sister and my brother-in-law listen or my yeah my brother-in-law listen every day like the next day and sarah my sister will actually like repeat stuff back to us and learned mm-hmm. after our deer podcast she called her husband and was like how big was your axis that you shot <laughs> and he said you know whatever the measurement was and she was like okay that's a good one according to the podcast <laughs> oh yeah well, so we uh, love all of y'all yeah thanks everybody for listening i just want to remind everybody to practice your gun safety with rifle season coming up and uh a fantastic moment can turn into a tragedy with the pull of a trigger so it's not it's not the gun that kills people it's it's people that kill people or get in accidents so just and don't be afraid to uh to like if you somebody in your hunting camp or your brother or kids or whatever if they're not practicing really good gun etiquette to don't be afraid to say something about it i mean i I kind of feel like I'm a jerk sometimes, but i i'll call I'll call people out like if they're waving a gun around always treat a rifle like it's loaded uh don't be like Alec Baldwin and you know clip somebody wasn't that in a movie it was in the news he just shot somebody making a movie but it was a movie it was supposed to be a blank that wasn't his fault. I think that's a bad example well anyway <laughs> it, it's still somebody's fault. So I've been shot at and hit, shot at and missed, had everything shot on my truck. So just be safe. Uh, Especially be, be with aware. kids. Now that I have nephews, like I, I keep, sleep with a gun beside the bed when you're gone. And when I know they're coming over, I put it up extra high. So Yeah, just, just be mindful. Be safe. That's, that's my main concern. I've, there's just too, too many things in the world that can go wrong. And I want, hunting should be fun. Hunting should be about the camaraderie and and enjoying nature and observing nature and, and taking a, an ethical shot on an animal and, and, and enjoying the meat and the story and it should pass it down from generation to generation. And nothing good happens after midnight. Nothing good happens after midnight. Like holes get shot in the ceiling of a hunting lodge. Yeah, well, we don't want to go down. <laughs> that there. is a true story. <laughs> true story, yeah. So, go to bed before midnight, gun safety, enjoy opening weekend. Um, looking forward to having y'all on all of our adventures that we have coming. We have good stuff coming, we promise, and we appreciate you sticking with us and listening. And Winnie is now in Chopper's lap, and I, I can definitely smell the skunk. I think we need to bathe. 100%. She cannot sleep in the bed tonight. We are bathing the dog. Yeah, she right. will not be in the Everybody bed. Everybody, have a good <laughs> good day. We're going to watch this dog. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next episode. Thanks for listening.